This is job one for me on this committee, is making sure that we have a process to deal with toxic exposure. We've got a bill that we're gonna mark up next week. It's a bill that costs a lot of money because quite honestly, dealing with this issue uh, is not a cheap thing. And it's a cost of war. Secretary Shulkin knows this. I mean, when he was in the secretary's office, he was gonna, with our support, do a lot of presumptives with Agent Orange. And by the way, was denied that ability because it cost too much money. And, and my opinion is this, when it comes to taking care of our veterans, that is a cost of war. And if you're not willing to take care of our veterans, then don't send them off in the first place. Welcome to the Policy Vets podcast, engaging with leaders, scholars, and strong voices to fill a void in support of policy development for America's veterans. With your hosts, former Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Dr. David Shilkin, and former Executive Director of the American Legion, Lou Chelley. Today's guest, Senator John Tester of Montana, Chair of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee. You know, Lou, I have to say, I'm really looking forward to speaking with John Tester today. Uh, you know, he's probably one of the most powerful voices in the Senate on veterans issues right now. I mean, he's not only the chairman of this of the uh, Senate Committee on Veterans Affairs, but he also sits on appropriations subcommittee on the Mil- Con- uh, Military Construction Veterans Affairs Subcommittee. So, you know, he's in a position not only to oversee and help craft policy, but then to fight to get it funded. Yeah, I think that's right. Saying he's powerful is just one way to say it, but... I might describe him to our listeners with a little bit more color. What do you mean? Well, Lou, I know it's an audio podcast, but let's describe the senator so people can get a picture of him. He's a big man. In fact, President Biden once described him by saying he looks like a guy who can lift an ox out of a ditch. (laughs) He works on a farm, uh, you know, grew up and played football, and his personality is certainly as big as his imposing look. Yeah, he also has a pretty distinctive flat-top haircut. Isn't he missing a couple of fingers? Yeah, at age 10, he lost a couple fingers when he was working in his dad's butcher shop in a meat grinder accident. Ouch. uh, Did you spend much time with him in Washington? Yeah, I did. I remember many meetings with him in his office. He has these big stuffed buffaloes or bears or something on his walls that just stare at you when you're talking to him. But Senator Tester was always a straight shooter with me. He would ask you tough questions. He'd expect you to be candid in the answers. And he always told you where he stood on the issue. So there were no surprises with him. Now, you know, I can tell you that when I was with the American Legion, we always felt like he understood the issues and he would fight like hell if he thought it was the right thing to do. I think we're really fortunate that he's the chairman of the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee. Given that we know his heart's in the right place and he's not afraid to call BS when you see it, I think he's the right guy. Well, I mean, we definitely saw that with the Ronnie Jackson nomination. I mean, he took on the president. I know that was gutsy, but, you know, it didn't surprise me. He, that's who John Tester is. He's going to tell you what it is and if he thinks it's not the right thing for veterans he's going to stand up and say that and um, I think it's going to be a really good podcast today. No I agree so let's get to it. Mr. Chairman it's good to speak with you today and welcome to the Policy Vets podcast. Uh, It is indeed a pleasure I uh, will tell you that uh, 
when I got up this morning and I saw I got to talk to Dr. Shulkin this morning, Secretary Shulkin, he goes by many names, uh, it's, it's indeed a treat for me. <laughs> Senator, listen, it's really great to have you with us today and it's great to talk to you. You know, I just finished your book and I have to say I really enjoyed it. I think you may know I wrote a book recently. I know how much work it is. And for those of you who don't know, it's a really good read. It's called Grounded, a Senator's Lesson for Winning Back Rural America. And, you know, Senator, what I really liked about it was knowing you as I do, it really was your voice. (laughs) You could hear you speaking when you're writing about it. And one of the things that is loud and clear in your book is your support for our veterans. Uh, One of the things I didn't know in reading the book was how long your passion for veterans has been with you. It's actually when you were at an early age, you used to play taps at the uh, with playing your trumpet at the funeral for veterans. So why, why are veterans so important to you and why have you pursued such a strong commitment to them? Well, I will tell you, uh, and, and some of it is just, just pure luck, but uh, when I was uh, between my seventh and eighth grade year, I was a pretty decent trumpet player and it was a pretty high honor to be chosen as a VFW bugler. And, and I was chosen to replace the guy who was graduating who was a senior in high school. And, uh, and so for the next five years, um, I got to be around veterans uh, at every funeral. And at that moment in time, there were a lot of World War I and World War II veterans who were passing. So I got to know these folks on an informal basis. We met at the VFW club in Big Sandy and, and got to hear their stories and got to uh, listen to their sacrifices. And, uh, and it, was, it, was, it was an incredible experience for, you know, a, 12-year-old kid, uh, 13-year-old kid, to be exposed to all that. And then, uh, and so, I, you know, I played taps, and it's, uh, it's, been, uh, it's been incredible to see, uh, see the families as they lay these heroes to rest and, and be able to be a part of those services. And then, um, and then even after I got, I went to school, I went to college and, and, and majored in music. So even after I got done with high school, I continued to offer my services if they didn't, if they couldn't get a bugler in. So I played at a ton of funerals, and I've had an opportunity to visit with those folks. And then throughout uh, my service uh, in life, actually, um, I got to meet some great folks. And, uh, for example, one of the first people that I met when I got in to run for the United States Senate was a guy that you guys all know, a guy by the name of Max Cleland. And Max, what an incredible man, and what an incredible struggle in life. I mean, every day we get up and we walk into the shower and we turn it on, it's a whole different life for folks like Max Cleland, and and uh, and and I will tell you, just being around him energized me, and uh, and that's the way it's been. You know, there was a there was a young man by the name of Tommy Parker from Montana who had the same kind of injury as as, as Max, and I, I I went up to the hospital and saw him when he came back from Afghanistan, and I know the struggles he's gone through in life, and. And I got to tell you, uh, if, if you're a human being, your heart goes out to the folks who have served this country, who do it freely, who do it uh, and don't question uh, don't question the orders. They they go and they go in places that nobody can imagine how difficult it is. So, look, I just have respect. I didn't serve uh, in the military, but the, but the bottom line is is that I have an incredible amount of respect for those that did, and I'm going to do what I can do to make sure that they get the benefits they've earned and they're treated right. 
Well, Mr. Chairman, it's really great to see you again. I've always loved working with you. And, you know, you and your committee have certainly hit the ground running with the 117th Congress. And while there are a number of pieces of legislation working their way through the process, there's one that policy vets has discussed with a number of our previous guests, and that's legislation to seek uh, and to grant presumptive illness recognition to victims suffering diseases as a result from toxic exposures uh, from uh, military burn pits. Can, can you tell us why this legislation is important and, you know, how long this issue has been a problem? Well, it's, 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 it needed to be done 50 years ago, quite frankly. Um, uh, we've been dealing with toxic exposure from the mustard gas days. I mean, truthfully, it's, uh, it's, it's something that is a product of every conflict we've been in in some form or another. And look, Secretary Shulkin understands this 100%. This is, this is job one for me on this committee, is making sure that we have a process to deal with toxic exposure. Um, we've got a bill that we're going to mark up next week. Um, it's a bill that costs a lot of money because, quite honestly, dealing with this issue uh, is not a cheap thing. And it's a cost of war. Um, and, and not unlike, you know, Agent Orange. And, and Secretary Shulkin knows this. I mean, when he was in the Secretary's office, we were going to, he was going to, with our support, going to do a lot of presumptives with Agent Orange. And by the way, was denied that ability, and you tell me if I'm talking out of turn here, Mr. Secretary, but was denied that ability because it cost too much money. And, and my opinion is this. Um, I'm, I'm as frugal with the buck as anybody, but when it comes to taking care of our veterans, that is a cost of war. And if you're not willing to take care of our veterans, then don't send them off in the first place. And so when it comes to toxic exposure, I mean, we just, we had a, a person had a, had a lung transplant talking to our committee here a month ago. This is, this is really, really important, and we need to come together. I'm getting some pushback right now. We'll get it figured out. I, I, I honestly do, because I've got a good relationship with Jerry Moran, the ranking member, and we'll get this figured out, and we'll get this bill marked up next week, and hopefully it'll be bipartisan. But in the end, uh, toxic exposure, particularly burn pits right now, Agent Orange a generation ago or several generations ago, and, and everything in between, we have to have a process. The VA has to have a process, I should say, by which to identify those exposures and address those exposures as it applies to the vets. So toxic exposure is job one for me. we got to get this done. If we don't get this done, well, let me put it this way. No is not an answer here. Well, we have to get this done. Yeah, Senator, that doesn't surprise me hearing you talk that way. And, you know, just to confirm what you were saying, uh, I was supportive of moving forward with presumptives for Agent Orange, and it was money that blocked it. It was the Office of Management and Budget. I've been very candid about that. And one of the things I have had a chance to review your your bill that you're going to introduce next week, I think it is exactly the right way to go. Uh, and I'd like to see that the secretary has the authority that it, that that can't be blocked by the Office of Management and Budget if there is a recommendation made. Um, but, you know, there are 15 bills that have been introduced. And as you know, Chairman Takano is working on one in the House. The last administration wasn't very supportive of this. What do you think your chance of getting this through? Well, I mean, it's got to be bipartisan, um, mm -hmm. and I think I think I think the chances are high, and and I will tell you why I think they're high. I think there's darn few people out there that that have been affiliated with uh, any of these conflicts we've been in that doesn't understand the toxic exposure is a big deal. As my brother pointed out to me uh, with Agent Orange, look, 
this is absolutely the most miserable thing I've ever seen, and you guys are trying to outlive these veterans, which is exactly correct, by the way. And so toxic exposure is a huge issue that needs to be dealt with. I think we're going to get bipartisan support on this uh, simply because, man, I'm telling you, I'd hate to be arguing the other side. Uh, there's, not, there's not a lot of talking points over there uh, other, other than cost. And by the way, if that's the issue, should have never sent them off in the first place. Okay? Absolutely. Should have talked about that before we, before we put them in a plane and hauled them to Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever they ended up. You know, you know, Senator, I, I think your focus on bipartisanship and the way to get this through is exactly right. And of course, I remember in my swearing in as secretary, you came to the White House with essentially the Republican leadership. And it was the ranking and the and the uh, chair of the committees on both the House and the Senate that came. And that said a lot to me about your commitment to bipartisanship. Uh, but, you know, I can't help but ask you, I think back to when you were the ranking member and it was Johnny Isaacson who was the chairman and that relationship that you had on SVAC, that bipartisanship. And so now that you're the chair of, as, as, uh, of SVAC, what did you learn from Johnny Isaacson that helps make you an effective chairman? So, uh, first of all, Johnny, there's... Johnny Isaacson is top flight. You know that, uh, Mr. Secretary, yeah. and and he's 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 absolutely the best. And, and I could tell you that I could say, you know what, uh, I learned about uh, you got two ears and one mouth, act accordingly. But I learned that a long time ago. I could learn about the fact that I could talk about the fact that you need to try to bring people together. But I learned that a long time ago. I'm going to tell you what I learned from Johnny Isaacson, and that is is that when people are disagreeing with your point of view that's not the time to overreact. Be calm, be, keep the ship upright, and, and let that storm pass, and then there'll be an opportunity to get things done. And, and Johnny was so good at not making enemies out of people when you're in the middle of a battle. And, and as you well know, that is really, really important because your enemy today is your friend tomorrow in politics. And so you don't want to make it so that you can't work with that person if you're in a battle today. So Johnny, Johnny would take the incoming pretty well and not, not push back a lot, and then he would move forward. And, and it's just, it was, uh, it was a, a lesson in master policy. If, if you could, he put a master class on every committee. And the other thing that Johnny did that is just fundamental to life is his word was his bond. If he told you something, you could take it to the bank. And uh, and that's just really important. Well, Mr. Chairman, I think you're the, the living embodiment of that. As a matter of fact, um, you know, back in 2017, when you were the ranking member, I, I believe you got eight of your bills signed into law while Secretary Shelkin was in office. You know, of all of those bills that you worked on together and got them over the finish line, which, which would you say you're most proud of? Well, the, the, the Mission Act is, it was a big change, and it was, it was huge, and Secretary Shulkin worked hard on that bill as, as, as we, were, we were putting this through the process, and it was a big deal because it put vets in charge of their health care. It invested in VA health care um, workforce, and, and, it, uh, and it, it applied to veterans of all eras. So it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a massive bill. <laughs> I mean, it was a different way of doing business. And, and, and I would just say this, as Secretary Shulkin, 
uh, did a marvelous job getting that thing ready for prime time. And, uh, and it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be the success it is today without the work he did when he was secretary of the VA. Uh, so during that first year or so, that was, that was, that was probably the biggie. Um, we, but but I got to tell you, I would I would be remiss if I didn't talk about some of the stuff we did during the last Congress, the, the John Scott Hannon bill that deals with mental health and thinking outside the box, critically important uh, because we're losing far too many veterans to mental health issues, and uh, and that bill is still not fully implemented, but but we're heading down the right track, and I think it's going to be a really good, effective bill. And then the Deborah Sansom Act that takes care of our women's veterans is really important. Uh, the VA, uh, the, the the military has changed. Uh, the fastest uh, growing uh, component of the VA right now is, is women veterans, and making sure we take care of those folks is really really important. So, initially, it was the Mission Act, and that was a behemoth of a bill uh, that took work by everybody, and the VA was the tip of the spear there. And then later on, we just we got some we got some really good bills done, and, and I will tell you the reason I think that happened was because, uh, you know, you had, uh, not to blow my own horn, but you had Johnny Isaacson at the helm, and I was supporting him, he was supporting me, and we communicated and we got things done. You know, Senator, I, I want to ask you a little bit about Montana. I know Montana has about 100,000 veterans, making it one of the highest percentage of veterans in of any state in the country. And I remember you and I went to Montana. We visited the Fort Harrison VA. That was great. I only regret we didn't get to go to Big Sandy. I wanted to see your farm, but uh, but but you know, um, I remember it in the Fort Harrison VA. Both you and I thought the quality of care there was really good. We spent time with veterans; they loved their care. But there were some pretty severe staffing shortages, something that's symptomatic of rural America, of course. Can you give us an update on where things stand today? Well, I, I will tell you that uh, staff is always a challenge uh, in the VA and outside the VA too. Healthcare staffing is is, is difficult. Um, I think we're better than 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 we were. Uh, I think the pandemic really forced uh, forced the VA to really get aggressive on their hiring, uh, which was which is which is good. Uh, we're still uh, we're still low on mental health professionals. So, and you know, Montana's a rural state. We tend to uh, uh, we tend to uh, be in a contest, I guess, a bad contest with Alaska on on mental health issues and suicide, and uh, we just we we just need more uh, more mental health folks, and it's why that John Scott Hannon bill that I talked about was so important because it, it helps empower some of the private sector folks out there to be able to deal with. Uh, our veterans and the healthcare problems they may have, and when they're in crisis, uh, them giving giving them avenues to be able to to get help. But people are challenged in urban areas too. But but the truth is is that we're still working hard to make sure that our, our rural and frontier areas have the resources and the people they need. Uh, but I don't think we're where we need to be yet. You know, we talked a little bit about the burn pits bill as a focus of you know SVAC in the 117th Congress. Um, there's a lot of time left. And so can you give us what your vision is for legislative priorities going forward in the 117th? Yeah, well, the, the, the burn pit thing is a big deal, okay, because it's, uh, it's, it's a big bill. It, it, it consists of uh, many, many other bills that we've been talking about for years. Uh, my timeline on that is to get it out of committee this next week. 
force people to go to work on it, both in Congress, the VA, OMB, uh, CBO, uh, to go to work to figure out how we can uh, get this thing done in, in a cost-effective way. Uh, then, then I think the other the other issues are are issues that have been around a long time too. Strengthening and simplifying the transition uh, of service member to veteran, of warfighter to civilian. I mean that is uh, really important, and continuing to identify ways of reaching more veterans upon their separation, so that they know what the VA has to offer, and they can get the benefits they've earned, including uh, mental health benefits, <clears throat> and then. Um, making sure that the VA continues to be the flagship med medical system in the United States. Uh, this means making sure that the VA is the employer of choice among medical professionals uh, up and down the line uh, so that we can uh, make sure that the veteran experience across the system is predictable and solid. And, uh, and then the last thing, and this isn't the last thing, this is the last thing I'm going to mention, is that supporting the Garden Reserve. Look, we are using the Guard and Reserve in uh, many, many times the same way we use an active military. They need to be receiving the same access to benefits cares as their active duty counterparts. Uh, when they receive the call to serve, they step up the plate just like everybody else. Uh, we need to make sure that they're uh, being treated uh, appropriately. Good. I, I think that your, your passion and commitment to this is really clear. One of the things when I think back to reading over your book that really impressed me was your relationship with a man named Joe Medicine Crow. And can you talk to us a little bit about what he meant to you? Joe Medicine Crow was a special man. I mean, he was uh, a warfighter, Native American warfighter uh, that uh, uh, got the highest uh, civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2008. He was. I mean, he was all of 100 years old. I mean, he was—he—he uh, he had been around. He had seen some stuff. Uh, but but the fact is, is that he was Native American. He was a fierce advocate for for Native American families. Uh, he he was somebody that uh, just fed inspiration uh, uh, when you were around him. Um, and uh, he's he's uh, somebody who. Um, you know, served this country, served it uh, in a special way, and uh, and that exemplary military service and personal courage that he exhibited while in the military uh, is is one of the reasons that he's beloved uh, in in, uh, in in southern Montana in particular. He was he was Crow uh, Crow Indian, and so he uh, uh, people knew who he was and people understood. In fact, I think there's. Uh, there's a number of things that are named after him. He, he passed away, I don't know what year it was, it was probably 2010, 2012, somewhere in that uh, area. But uh, he is somebody uh, that made his mark on this earth and, uh, and set an example, uh, particularly for Native American warriors uh, to follow. Mr. Chairman, so before we go, um, first of all, I want to say that by and large, I can't speak on behalf of the veteran community, but everyone I have spoken to in the veteran community is elated that you are the chairman right now and that you also hold a seat on appropriations. So you are in, a, in an extremely beneficial position for veterans to not only help craft policy, but then ensure that it gets paid for as well. Um, is there anything that you would like our listeners to know before we go? 
Well, look, I mean, uh, first of all, um, to the folks who have served in the military that are listening, uh, I appreciate your service. And I don't say that as just a token, I appreciate your service. No, I appreciate your service. I mean, I appreciate what you've been through. I appreciate what you've gone through. I appreciate what your family's gone through. And uh, this country wouldn't be the country it is today without that service. And, and just know that one of the advantages that I've had for the last, oh, it wasn't always this way, but probably the last 10 years, is the veteran service organizations. Those are folks like the VFW and American Legion and uh, Iraq, Afghanistan vets. I mean, the list is on. They're a big group. They've been on the same page. And, and for them to be on the same page is, is important uh, because it gives clear instruction to people like me that this is where I want you to place your focus. And, and so um, I just want to thank all those organizations. I would encourage if you're a veteran out there and you don't belong to one of them, find one that fits you and, and join up because they're doing a really good job back here um, making sure that your uh, concerns are heard. And, uh, and, then, and then just finally, um, it never hurts to get on the computer or pick up the phone or drop a letter in the mail to your elected reps telling them what you th how you think they're doing. If, it's, if it's, they need to improve on this stuff, Always be courteous, always be respectful, but be point, point blank to be very blunt too about what needs to be done. And if it's things that they're doing good, let them know about that too. I think that input from, from uh, folks who have served and folks who care about people who have served is, is really, really important. We know that you have a hard stop coming up and we wanna thank you for being with us today on the Policy Vets podcast. It's been an honor and a pleasure to speak with you. The pleasure has been all mine. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was a great interview with Senator John Tester, giving us some real insight into the 117th Congress and what the Veterans Affairs Committee plans for veterans coming up. Next week, you are not going to want to miss this podcast. It's one of the most inspiring guests we've had so far. Tom Voss is a veteran advocate and former Army soldier who walked across America to bring attention to veterans' mental health and suicide. This is going to be a podcast you will not want to miss. Thanks for listening to the Policy Vets podcast. For more information about projects and other podcasts, go to policyvets.org.